Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. Dear 29-year-old Sky, you are crying your eyes out as you are holding your three-year-old son who is also crying his eyes out and you need so many answers as to why your son is struggling and hurting so much. I just want to tell you, you're going to figure it out. You'll find those answers. Don't worry. Everything is going to be just fine. I decided to have a theme and this month we're going to do autism awareness. We have two awesome episodes for you about mothers who have children with autism. This week we have my friend Sky Lefebvre and she is just the sweetest person ever. This summer I feel like I got to see her more up close and personal as we were going to the pool and I would see her with her three kids and how patient she is with all of them and juggling all of their needs. Her oldest child is autistic. His name's Dallin and she shares about how she found out he was autistic and what it was like when he was a small toddler and what it's like to navigate autism. She has such good advice, not only for children with autism, but even just for any child. I found myself relating to so many of the things that she was saying, even though I don't have a child with autism. I think that it's so good for us to be aware of people with differences and to understand what it's like to be a mother with a child that has a disability. And I hope that as you listen to her that you can have some good ways to be a helper and to be able to help the people around you that might be struggling one thing I love about Skye is she just has this quiet confidence and I love learning from her and love the way that she parents. And one of the biggest takeaways I had from her was how she talked about trusting her intuition really changed her life. And we all have intuition and as we follow our hearts and do the things that we know to be right, then I feel like it's a recipe for success. I hope you enjoy Sky's story. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Sky. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. So we've been seeing each other at the pool these days, and I was seeing you with your cute kids. It made me think it would be so awesome to do a podcast with kind of some autism awareness and talking about what we can learn about from people who have children with autism. And I've always thought that autism is kind of a hard thing to navigate because there's not a physical component that you're, you can see. If somebody has a different disability, it's very like physical. You can see it as they're approaching you, but autism is a little bit different that way. I thought it would be good for us to talk about that so that people could understand how they could be a better friend or a better support to people who have autism or the autism community. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that because 
a lot of people don't ask. A lot of people don't ask how, what it's like, or I just really appreciate you being comfortable enough to ask me about it, and I'm excited for this opportunity to share a little bit about what it's like. Well, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and a little bit about your childhood. I am from Orem, Utah, and I am the oldest of three kids. I have great parents. I had a really nice childhood and some really great friends. After high school, I went to BYU and met my husband there. After we graduated, we got married, and a few years later, we had our oldest son, who is his name is Dallin, and, and he's the one that's on the autism spectrum. So before you were married or had kids, what did you know about autism? Not much. I had only met one person on the spectrum before. It was a little boy who I taught in one of my classes. I was, I was a teacher after college for a few years. I was a high school Spanish teacher in Utah for one year, and then we moved to Florida, and I taught at a private school that was K through 12. So I was hired on as the high school teacher, but occasionally I would go into the elementary classrooms and teach like a Spanish music lesson. And so there was a little boy in that class on the spectrum, and I got a a little bit of training on how to help him, but I didn't have a ton of interaction with him. So I didn't really fully understand what autism was. And the next person that I met who had autism was my own son. I really was learning all about autism as I was trying to mother him, my son. I'm sure that was an eye-opening thing, especially Mm -hmm. being a mother for the first time and you're trying to figure out how do I even take care of this baby, let alone having a child that was a little bit different than what you had originally probably envisioned that motherhood would be like. I just don't think our default is to think that your child would be born with a disability. Is that an okay word to use or is that offensive? No, that's that's not offensive to me. I feel like I can't really speak for all moms of with kids on the spectrum I think that one thing is that every child on the spectrum is so different so for me that's not offensive to call it a disability but you're right in that it totally was not what I what I was expecting with you know my this little baby and being a first-time mom and just not knowing I mean I thought I thought it was my fault when he wasn't wasn't meeting his developmental milestones and people would ask well why isn't he walking or why isn't he talking on time? And, and I felt like I was doing something wrong, that it was because of me that, that he wasn't developing correctly. If I had only known, right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's so hard because that's what people love to talk about. And I even remember my nephew started crawling a few months before my son and they were only 12 days apart. Why is he not crawling? And then my second one, I'm like, don't crawl. I don't want you moving. You're going to destroy the house. But with your first, it's like a reflection of who you are. If you could go back in time to when you first found out that Dallin had autism, and give yourself advice, what do you think you would say? I would say don't stress out so much. It really is going to be okay. You're going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And it's going to be just an awesome journey of personal development for you as you learn how to mother him. And 
I also think I'd tell myself to not worry about what other people think because you're so right about how like other parents are so curious and want to know like well is, is my kid developing on time and I think we kind of blow that out of proportion sometimes and I think that it's been really good for me to learn to not worry about what other people think about me or about my son or or anything that we're doing that is different than than what they do. I totally agree with that. I try to tell my son, comparison is the thief of joy. And I remember one time he was mad because of something that happened and he quit telling me your poetry or something. I'm trying to teach you a lesson here. <laughs> but I think that's a good advice for like any anybody that quit worrying what everybody thinks about you and just yeah. live your life and do do it the best that you know how to do it. And yeah. don't worry about what other people are going to think. So... When did you first notice that Dallin was different? You said that there were some developmental milestones that he wasn't quite on par for. Yeah. But what really made you want to go and get advice about what was going on? We saw so many pediatricians and specialists when he was young, and we weren't linking it to anything like autism per se until about when he was two. And he just, he had a, a, a lot of extreme tantrums and rages. And at that point I started reading on my own and just, and just thought this is, this could be autism. And I went to my pediatrician about it and talked to her about it. And she didn't know much about autism. And she told me that, but she also said that it probably isn't something that I could get diagnosed until he was five. and. At the time, I don't think a lot of pediatricians did know about autism, so I don't think this is necessarily like her fault for saying that. But I do wish that I had gotten a second opinion because I think I could have had him diagnosed earlier. It wasn't until he was five that he was officially diagnosed. And yet it wasn't a surprise to me when he was officially diagnosed at five because it had been three years at that point that I had, I had read so much about autism. I'd read all the books. I was trying to help him in the way that, you know, I was reading about how to help an autistic child way before I got the the official diagnosis. I feel like that's so hard because so many times we go to our doctors for advice and then we expect them to be the expert on certain things and then we don't necessarily question that. Right. So that's very much the position that I was in is, you know, just kind of taking what my doctor said is truth and then just not doing anything about it. Although we did actually go and see five different pediatricians. So it wasn't, autism is just so difficult because a lot of doctors just don't know much about it. You know, we saw five different pediatricians and all of them kind of gave different advice. And anyways, it's kind of been a big journey. But one thing that I did learn that has been very powerful is my motherly intuition has been like a north star for me you know i i've gotten like a little bit from a little bit of advice from this professional or that professional or that doctor or that psychologist or this book and all of that is helpful it's like ultimately my job to kind of collect all that information and then with me knowing my son knowing how to proceed and that's really what's been key and for him I think and, and a huge learning experience for me is, is learning to trust myself yeah well and I've been able to watch you the last few weeks and you do such a good job mm-hmm. with your kids and you're so patient you. and sweet you. with them and they're lucky to have you 
So can you just tell us a little bit about Dallin and what his personality is like and, you know, what things are hard for him, what things are easy for him, just so that we kind of have a visual of Dallin and kind of where he where he's at. Dallin is super sweet and the best word that I have for him is innocent. He's just like so sincere and and so innocent on his good days. He can definitely be super mischievous <laughs> and he he definitely has a hard time with his emotions and self-regulation and so that can look like tantrums or outbursts. But I always kind of feel like that's the clouds coming in. When the sun is shining, you can see his personality. And then if something in the environment is really disruptive and causes him overwhelm, it's like the clouds come in. And and he acts out in ways that that I don't really feel like is really him. And then the clouds will part and it's him again and he'll 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 apologize. He's very aware of when he does it and he'll and he'll be like, "I'm sorry, mom." And Anyways, it, it's happening less and less. Like, the older he gets, it's really cool to see, like, the less amount of clouds, as I call them, come in. You know, he has more he has more control of his emotions and, and better self-regulation. He's eight years old now. He doesn't have the amount of self-regulation that maybe, like, a normal eight-year-old would have, but he is increasingly learning that skill. His, like, true self is just, like, an adorable, sweet little boy. But I feel like not everyone sees that if what they're seeing is like the clouds. And a lot of times if we are like in a big crowd of people and there's a lot of noise and there's just so much stimulation and he like can't handle it, then people see how he's behaving, which is typically to like run away or to get really anxious or to yell or to not want to participate in whatever activity like the other kids are participating in. And so they think that he's that is who he is. And it's not really that. And it always makes me so sad when people think that that's who he is. It's just, it was just the environment that made him react that way. But when, when the environment is such that he can feel like comfortable, he's, he's amazing and really, really sweet. I love, I love the cloud analogy. I've never heard that before, but I feel like I definitely have seen that with my to the core, you really are so good, but it seems like something comes over you yes. and it's not you. Yes. You yes. know, I'm, and I usually say it sounds, it seems like you're possessed sometimes, <laughs> but I think that clouds sound a lot nicer than being like, he's possessed. Oh, my husband calls it glitching. He's like, oh, is Dallin glitching again? <laughs> it's like a much more forgiving, loving. But does he talk with you a lot? So he does talk, but he talks when he wants to talk which is sometimes a little bit frustrating if I'm asking him a question and needing him to respond. But when he wants to tell me something, he talks a lot. If he's passionate about something, he'll love to tell me about it and love to tell me how it works and and why he finds it interesting. So I kind of feel like my role in trying to help him develop his language is to ask him or try and get involved in like the things that he's really interested in and then kind of facilitate language in that way. My son's not autistic, but I remember, you know, he'll just chat, 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 chat. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to school and I'm like, tell me everything. It's like, <laughs> it was good. And I'm like, I want a play-by-play of the whole day. You know what's <laughs> so interesting is I always feel like autism is, in some ways, it's just like being a normal little boy, but it's to the extreme. 
to a certain extent, all kids have a hard time, or everyone has a hard time with noise to a certain extent, right? Everyone has their limit. Your limit might be like, you know, 50 on the TV, like 50 whatever, you know, like at the very like top and you're fine, but like you go over that and it's like, okay, you're gonna have a headache or something like that, right? But it's just less for Dallin. So I feel like autism is just extreme sensitivity played out in an extreme way. Like maybe other people have certain sensitivities too, but if you just like max that out, it's kind of what you see in my son. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a good way to describe that. Are there certain places that are really hard to go to with Dallin because of the sound or it being too stimulating? Increasingly less so. When he was a toddler, I couldn't take him grocery shopping. That was like way too much for him. And when I ever did like have to in an emergency situation, it would be it would be so difficult. It would be a disaster. He would have a huge meltdown and and then we would both leave in tears, you know, it was just so hard. And and then I had a baby at the time too. My son Leo is is two years younger than him. So those are some pretty hard years. But now he's he's much more able to handle sounds still not maybe to the extent that like my other kids can or that I can but I mean he he's fine at school or church or the parks or the pool where it's like loud outside but I do notice that he he does really benefit from after those activities going home and just like quiet time like more so than other kids I think that he needs that like time to decompress I know that you'd be like, we need a break in between pool days. That was for him. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I can tell when he's like out of batteries and when he needs to recharge. Oftentimes I can avoid like outbursts or meltdowns because if I see him getting to that point and then I just kind of know, okay, it's going to be best for all of us to have a break day tomorrow. And, yeah. And then we'll see you guys, you know, in two days or yeah. when we're recharged. Yeah. <laughs> What are other ways that you feel like things have changed since he was a young toddler till now? Well, he speaks more, which is really helpful. And he can tell me a lot of what he needs now, which has been really great. Um, I'm finding that me listening to him has been really key in helping him. But like really listening, you know, (laughs) like getting down on his knees and and asking him like, how's he doing? And is he okay if I do this And, and that? And, and I wasn't able to do that when he was younger. He, he couldn't tell me. He couldn't talk. And, and so that's been, that's been huge. And, and I think that's been why we've seen so much improvement lately is because I'm finally able to listen to him, yeah. you know, which is really cool. We do a lot of other things that are different, too. I, I know I've told you we're really specific on his environment, everything in his environment really specific even in in the food he eats which I consider part of his environment really careful in understanding like what his body can tolerate and what it can't and and seeing that really help him neurologically which has been really cool so so I feel like now I kind of have a a handle on his situation and what he needs Mm-hmm. Whereas during the toddler years, I was a mess because <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. And and I, and I think I was way too afraid of what other people thought of me as a mom. And I was afraid of like what people thought of Dallin. 
And I think it paralyzed me from like being able to make any choices in my life. Yeah. And and the closer I got to like not paying attention to what other people were thinking or or even what I thought they were thinking of me. Cause yeah. you know, maybe they weren't thinking anything bad of me, but I just thought they were yeah. and that paralyzed me. Well you know? and even like sometimes if your kids throwing a fit and parents look at you, they might be looking in compassion or just looking because somebody's yelling and there's no judgment but right. you feel the judgment. Right. Even if it's not there. Right. Because you're right. judging yourself too, you know? Right. Yes. Yes. So a lot of it was like learning to be compassionate towards myself, which I'm still learning. I mean, it's still a process. Um, I feel like I've made like huge leaps and bounds, but the moment when I decided that I had to start doing that is when I realized that getting like myself together was going to be key to helping my son, you know, learning to like tune into like my intuition and to God and to like really listening to what I needed to be doing for him and for myself and for my entire family. That's when I feel like that's when my whole life changed and life got tremendously easier. And it's not like it's easy today. It's just so much easier than it was during, during the dark ages, what what I call (laughs) the toddler years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I guess this ties into what we were just talking about, about people judging you do you feel like people judge you or him when they don't know that Dallin is autistic? Yeah, definitely. And again, it might be more my perception of if they're judging me or not. I've had a lot of people make comments that I think I, I think I internalized too much. I think I took them too personally. And like in reflection, I can see that maybe they were just trying to be helpful or maybe they were just like genuinely curious or maybe... Maybe they did see his behavior or my reaction to his behavior as being, like, unacceptable. What did people say? Um, I mean, so tantrums in public really can have some negative effects. And some people have told me, like, that's unacceptable. Like, (laughs) you know, why is your child doing that? You know what I mean? But, and, and those, okay, those from, like, bystanders who really don't know my situation don't bother me as much as maybe like people who are closer to me who have said things i think that has been like that's when it really hurts yeah. right right and i think that some of those comments have just been why is she doing that with her son why is she, you know she's maybe she's too over the top maybe she's too this or that and I don't know. I'm learning that it probably has more to do with them than it had to do with me. Maybe yeah. maybe they were concerned about something going on in their life, and I move on. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it's so hard, though. And I, I found that in my life, when I'm feeling insecure about something, for some reason, it's, it's how you feel about yourself, too, on top of that. Because if it had no validity, it, I don't think it would sting as much. But when you're feeling... Am I doing this the right way? And somebody makes a comment like that, it's like a dagger. Yes. Whereas if somebody's, oh, you have blonde hair, and you're, actually I'm a brunette, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's like you're so far off. But yeah. when they say something that's a little more close to home, I think that's when it really, you know, as parents, we need to be each other's biggest supporters. More than anyone, we should know that it's hard to be a parent. But mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. The parents are each other's worst critics but I feel like we really need to make the people around us feel like 
it's okay. If your kid's having a tantrum, that's not the mom's fault. There's, there's been a million things that have led up to this point and you're just seeing a minute into their lives and you have no idea what's going on. Yes, it's just a minute. It's not like the full picture. And I, and I kind of think if people did know the full picture, maybe they would be making the same decisions that I am making, you yeah. know? I always remember, like there was this one moment I was I was visiting my parents and we were we were at church with them. So, it, you know, it wasn't like our the church we normally go to, like our normal ward. And Dallin had a complete meltdown. It, it was, he, he was like two or three. It was just a really hard situation. Anyways, we were walking back to my parents' house and, and I was just like, dad, what do I do? I, I was sincerely asking him for some advice. You know, Sky, I, I don't know. All I know is that I'm on Dallin's side. And that just like made me tear up. It still makes me tear up because for people to say that, for people, for someone to say, and of course it's my dad, but other people too have said something similar. Like when they can show that they're on Dallin's side, when they love him, it just means the world to me. And it's really taught me so much about like, just be on his side. I think so many times I've found myself in like the parent role where it's the parent versus the child, parent versus the child, the tug of war. And it's just kind of like taught me to like get rid of that and to be on my child's side, pulling the rope with him. And it really kind of makes it, you know, whatever the the tantrum or like the hard thing in the moment is, it makes me like realize this is not important. Let me just be on my child's side right now. And it makes the situation seem like not that big of a deal. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's really sweet. And I think it's hard sometimes we get in these power struggles with our kids. Totally. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, is it the end of the world? But then you have this guilt of, does that make me a bad parent for, you know, there's so many things, but I love that. And I love that your dad said that because Mm -hmm. these kids, they need cheerleaders. They need people to be on their side and root for them and help them. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a lot on their plate. Dallin's your first child. So how did things get more complicated as you started having more kids? Yeah. So we had our second child two years after Dallin was born, which was pretty quick. And, and I got pregnant with him before I knew that Dallin was on, on the autism spectrum. Had I known, I might have spaced them out more, but you know, it, it ended up working out. But Leo, Leo's my second child who's, who's not on the autism spectrum. And he's actually, it's actually turned out to be that he's been a really big help for, for me as, as a parent, and, and he's also been a big help to Dallin. And I, re- I do remember that like, when Dallin was young and he had so much, he had a really hard time verbalizing a lot of things. Leo, who was like two years younger than him, Leo was probably like one or two, Leo would tell me what Dallin needed sometimes. In so many ways, you know, having, having more kids has been helpful. I, I now have a third son who's, who's just one right now, and he has a special relationship with Dallin too. So it has been harder because you're right, there's like more people that need me, but it's also been really good because I think that they have helped Dallin and they've helped me and really just helped our whole family have more love and, and happiness. That's really sweet because I think your instinct would kind of be, we just need to focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. But I think that what a wonderful opportunity for them to love Dallin and take care of 
each other and they have a sweet relationship and and to give them that gift of a, a sibling to love and take care of each other and I mean, they do have a sweet relationship. They also fight a ton, too. So it's like, you know, in a way, it's kind of like normal siblings. But it is a good situation. It's a good setup. So you guys just recently moved back from Belgium. Mm -hmm. Can you share what that was like for your family? And was that change hard for Dallin? Yeah, it it was awesome. We loved it. We were there for a year. And really, it was just like a dream for us to be able to go do that. And we had a lot of fun. It was definitely a big change, and change is extremely difficult for Dallin. It always has been. It was really challenging for him. There were some good things, too. I think we spent a lot more time as a family, and Dallin and my husband Tyler are really close, so that was good. They had more time together, and we did more, like, family outings, because there were just so many cool places to go, you know, we'd go to Germany on for a Saturday trip or whatever. During COVID, doesn't that sound like a dream come true just to like get away and go do something like exotic? I'm like, that sounds like it's never going to happen ever again. (laughs) Sorry to be pessimistic, but. It totally does. It totally does. But we were in a super small apartment. And so I'm kind of glad that we're quarantined here in Dallas where we have a little bit more room than being quarantined in, in Belgium where we would have like. And our fridge was tiny. So I, you know, those small European fridges. And so I just think, how would you stock up on like a week's worth of food? Like we would go grocery shopping every day. That's just normal for Europeans, right? Yeah. And we had a grocery store like pretty close to us. But anyways, if you're going to be quarantined and stuck in your house for months on end, it's, it's nice to have a little bit more space than we did in Belgium. Was that a hard adjustment for him to, to move there? Yeah. Yeah. It was super hard. He regressed, I guess, is the word that I use a lot. And, like, we saw a lot more autism symptoms coming back. And that was super, super difficult to see. We had to work through a lot of things. And and some of the the things that were helping him, I had to, like, more double down on. We got, like, really, like, a lot more careful about what he ate. And a lot more careful about just being, like, mindful about, like, if his environment was too overstimulating. And so about halfway through Belgium, we did see a big turnaround, which was good. But it, it's, it's super hard to see him regress like that. But he's doing, he's doing really well now. He did also regress a little bit when we came back to Dallas, back to the U.S. Um, but it, again, he's, he's, doing, he's doing okay now. Actually, he's doing wonderful now. So I'm just curious, you were saying he started showing more symptoms. What are autism symptoms what just people who aren't as familiar what would you call some of the autism symptoms stimming do you know what that is no so when you if you've ever seen a little child on the autism spectrum like shake their hands like back and forth back and forth back and forth that can be that's one thing that can be stimming or sometimes if you have like a little kid like oh stare at the fan and they're like looking at the fan for hours on end, like that could be like a visual stim. It's kind of something that a child does like repetitive over and over and over and over and over. It's it's thought to be a way for them to self-soothe or like calm or self-regulate. So if a child is having a hard time self-regulating due to like external factors perhaps, 
you're going to see them stim more and more and more and more. And every time I, I notice that, to me, that's like a warning sign, like, okay, he's overexerted. He, he, you know, there's either more anxiety in his life or he's having a harder time processing something. What do I need to do to, like, dial back that overstimulation to help him calm down? And so when I notice his hands, like, really calm, then I know, okay, he's in a good place right now. I, I, I watch his hands a lot, actually. <laughs> but that, that's one example of, of one of his autism symptoms that, that, that kind of was showing me that he probably wasn't doing so well during yeah. that time. Are there any other? More likely to have a tantrum, more likely to have an outburst, less likely to talk to me, more likely to have bowel problems. So he, so gastrointestinal problems are pretty common, I should say, for kids on the spectrum. Also, hard time sleeping, all of those things kind of regress all at the same time when something in his environment is is just overwhelmingly difficult for him. So the gastro gastrointestinal issues is is that mostly solved by food or mm-hmm. does he take medicine for that? It's mostly solved by food. Yeah. A food and reducing stress. I think both contribute to that. So yes. I feel like I've been trying to see a correlation even just with my kids mm. of how they behave when they have certain foods mm, you yeah, know yeah and people say sugar affects kids but I feel like there's a difference between just regular sugar and like red food coloring or different oh, oh, you know absolutely, what I mean like absolutely. I made these sugar cookies the other day and we made a bright red mm-hmm. and I my kids were like so insane I was like throw the cookies <laughs> away yeah yeah no I've, I've been there in that exact same situation yeah yeah so have you noticed that oh, that yeah. makes a big difference? So what kind oh, yeah. of things do you try to limit? And do you do it for your whole family? So food dye is a major one, yes. And sugar, sugar to an extent, I limit. I, I, I think there's a difference between like high fructose corn syrup versus sugar. Yeah. Mostly just because of the chemicals used as it's processed and, and all of that. We're very careful about a lot of additives in food monosodium glutamate for example i i'm like an expert in label reading <laughs> it's like i could read a label and tell you exactly if if Dallin can have it or not i think for a lot of people they're probably fine eating it and and not noticing anything but but for certain people i think it's it can have a bigger it can have impact. a bigger a bigger impact yeah. yeah and when when i'm just really careful and making sure that he's not eating that stuff he is like he seems to be, in my opinion, more in control of, of himself yeah. and, and his emotions and stuff. But you asked if I do it for the whole family. I would love to, and we, we do often follow that, but to a certain extent, I'm, I'm just not that particular about like my second son who seems to handle food pretty well on average. I mean, I still think he's affected by like too much sugar, you know, yeah. so I like for all of us to like eat healthy in general, but I don't worry, like, so when my second son goes off to school and maybe there's a party or something, I, I don't worry too much, but but with Dallin, it's it's serious enough that I don't want like a huge regression, and yeah. so so I'm, I'm really careful about what he yeah. eats. It really is so interesting how food affects us so much, what we eat, 
and how like our moods are affected by that. I think a lot of times we don't really have a correlation. But I did notice when we lived in London, they have so many strict regulations on mm. their food. I don't know if Belgium was the same way, mm-hmm. but you couldn't buy fruit snacks, you know, mm-hmm. because they're not good for your right. kids, you know? Right. Obviously you're really good at looking at labels, but I mean, a lot of times I'm just trying to go to the store really quick and I'm grab this, grab this, you know, and it, you might not have enough time to sit and read every single label or whatever, right. but the government regulates what can be and stuff and I kind of feel like I know there's lots of opinions about this but I wish that we had a little bit more protection against some of these harmful additives that it was just high fructose corn syrup shouldn't be in our food yeah you know yeah you know you're you're spot on so in Belgium they speak French and Dutch so all of the food labels would be in French and Dutch (laughs) and I kind of speak French I don't speak Dutch So I would be like in the grocery store, I'd have like my phone up with like wordreference.com, you know, (laughs) like the French thing. I'd be like, what does this mean? (laughs) You know, I'd like be trying to like Google the whatever the the item was. But I actually found out that it it really wasn't that difficult because even the processed food in Europe is is better than the processed food is here. Yeah, Yeah, they're, they're really... They really don't have a lot of food dyes. Well, yeah, and some of the harsher food dyes are banned. Yeah. So a lot of the candy is just made with, like, more natural food coloring, you yeah. know, from natural sources. So I do think it's easier to get clean food in yeah. Europe. Yeah. So going back to living in Belgium, how your experience raising a son with autism changed from being in the U.S. versus Belgium? Was it different for you, or did you feel like people treated you fairly similarly? Um, I think that most people were super nice, but Dallin is like, because he is very quiet in general, I think a lot of people thought he was just like a really well-behaved little boy. I, I think that like Europeans kind of like people to be quiet in general, especially kids, you know? <laughs> we're, we weren't really that loud. Um, we were the opposite. We came in and everyone's like, get those kids to be quiet. <laughs> I guess we just had one, but yes, everyone's like, why did you bring your child to the museum? I'm like, sorry, I have a child. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I got tons of looks because we had three kids, but I think, I think in general, it was really nice. We, we found a really nice psychologist and a really nice pediatrician, and I think access to them was a lot easier, definitely easier than, than access to medical professionals here in the U.S., so overall, it was a good experience, but we were only there for a year, so I don't really know what it would be like long term, or if my experience is like a reflection of like other people's experiences. I don't know, but it was good for us. That's awesome. Well, I'm curious, how have you been able to teach your other kids about autism? Yeah, I've I've had to have some some hard conversations with Leo, who's my second son, mostly because I think Leo's old enough to recognize that Dallin does struggle with things. And Leo, in, in many ways, Leo's kind of taken over the role of like the oldest child, um, which is kind of typical, I think, for a, a situation like this. But at the same time, it's hard for Leo because more responsibility is placed on him. And he wonders why, and he, he asks why does he have to do something when Dallin doesn't. And, Explaining that to Leo has, has has kind of been a journey, but 
at the same time, I feel like Leo has such a depth to him that he wouldn't have otherwise. And I do see that Leo is able to really handle a lot. That, that, that it, it's just such a great experience for him that I don't think many six-year-olds get. And, and I kind of wonder if he'll be better off because of it, you know, as an adult. Yeah. I think he definitely will be. My mom always told me growing up, because I'd be like, oh, this is hard, and she would say, it's easier to go through hard things when you're little. Because she told me that growing up, no one, she never had any problems kind of as a kid. Everyone was really nice to her. Her brothers were nice, you know, for the most part and everything. And she said her first experience with somebody who was hard was her college roommate and it was really really hard because she was older and so she said she always told me growing up having these hard experiences as a kid actually is like better than having it be the first time as an adult which I trust my mom's opinion so I think it I think it helps that is so cool I love that you said that that gives me kind of like a lot like that lets me like breathe a sigh of relief almost like oh good maybe maybe this is a good thing for him I, I do think it is a good thing for Leo but you know as the mom you're kind of torn sometimes when you see like you have two kids and you want to be like totally fair with both of them but you can't yeah and it's hard it, it's it's kind of a dilemma that I'm in a lot of times yeah yeah I'm sure that's hard the other night I bribed the kids if they would go to bed that I would get them donuts Mm -hmm. because I was a little desperate to get them to go to bed and Liam kept coming out and Hayden said he does not deserve anything (laughs) and I was kind of trying to teach him some compassion I'm like he's two you know and I was I was trying to say do we deserve I was using the example like do we deserve to go to heaven (laughs) I was like have we been perfect he's like yeah I deserve to go there and I'm like have you ever made a mistake you know and I was trying to give him any, any do you want God to have compassion on you and he's like, yeah. And then I was like, well, what about Liam? And he was like, he does not deserve a donut. <laughs> like a major disconnect there. I was like, I don't know if this is working out here. But I can see that being hard. Because I feel like even just with my kids, Hayden wants everything to be even. Even if it's a baby versus like a bigger kid. You right. know, so I'm yeah. sure that's a little bit harder. But I don't know what... With Dallin going to school, are the kids in his class aware of his Mm -hmm. autism? Mm -hmm. And how could people like me teach my kids about children with autism so that they're nice to them and not making fun of them and and helping them and being a good friend? Like if he does something that is bothersome or irksome, like he really has no malintent. He's not trying to bother you. He's not trying to like ruin your game or like not follow the rules. A lot of times he's simply either doesn't understand or doesn't have the capacity to interact on a social level like maybe someone else you, that you would expect of that age. And yes, in his, his classmates do know that he's on the spectrum and he's got such great friends at his school that have just really like taken care of him and looked out for him. And the, the thing that like I'm so happy about is every school Dallin has ever been in He's always had this like little group of friends that like circle around him, almost like, like protect him and like love him, which has just been adorable and sweet. But I think he also has had some bullies, which is super hard for me too. It's just super hard for me. Kids that do make fun of him and feel like 
like sports are super hard for Dallin because he just doesn't get the concept of what he should be doing. And so when he doesn't play by the rules, other kids can get super upset with him and, and all of that. And it's just a really tricky situation to navigate. How, how do you teach your child these social skills when when that's just a really difficult thing for him to grasp, you know? Yeah. So the kid that's a bully, what do you wish that their parents could sit down and talk to their child so that they could be better to your son? Mm. I would just hope that people know that Dylan's doing the best he can. And, and it's difficult for all of us as we're trying to navigate how to best help him and interact with him. And it's difficult for him too as he's trying to learn how to interact with other people and just trying to have compassion for him is ultimately, I think, what I hope most people can do for him. Yeah. Dallin is just here to love and enjoy life. And he, I don't think he really understands the concept of like having to fit inside a box. And along those lines, what do you wish everybody knew about autism? I kind of wish everyone knew how hard it is, not because I want sympathy or not because I think Dallin needs sympathy, but I think people, because like you were referencing before, because Dallin looks very normal, I think people assume that it's not a big deal or maybe easier than it is and not like this big life-changing, life-altering thing. You know, we've been, we've like rearranged our lives completely to to accommodate for Dallin and 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 we love him and we feel like so so blessed to have him and both my husband and I feel like we are better people for him. We almost felt like he was sent to us as a gift for us to learn and grow and it's just like this magical thing for us. But it is very very difficult and and I think some people brush it off like it's it's not that big of a deal when I just kind of wish that some people would know that it is really big. It's 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 a tremendous thing that has happened to us. Yeah. Well, I think that looking at you and watching you it doesn't look hard. <laughs> Which I mean that with like all of the compassion that I can because not saying that it isn't hard because I'm sure it's so hard, but you are just a natural with him and it seems like that loving him and being there for him and looking af- looking out for him comes very natural to you. And I'm sure it's taken years for you to get there, but I think that you do such a great job. And I'm sure it's super hard. I can't even imagine what that's like for you. And I'm sure there's there's so many unknowns too, like because he's eight now and he has his, the rest of his life to go. And I'm sure you have lots of questions about, about what is coming in the future and we actually have Nate's aunt she agreed to be on the podcast for next week do you have any questions for her she has a son who is an adult child with autism and so if you could ask her any questions what what would your questions be for her yeah I am super interested to learn more about what it's like to have a child on the spectrum who's an adult I would love to know about like how do you help your child get a job? Which I'm just super fascinated about that, like wanting to know how, how you can help him transition to 
live in the adult world? How do you help him be more independent as he navigates adulthood? I'd love to know what their daily life looks like. And, and I'm also curious about how the dynamics between like the mom and the son, how, that, how the dynamics change as, as, the, as the child on the spectrum becomes an adult. Awesome. Well, Amy will be able to answer all those questions for you. I'm sure she will. She's wonderful. And when I think of children that have special needs, children and adults, and I really think that they are a gift and they're sent here for us to help us to have more love and compassion. And really, he doesn't want or understand how to box. You know, I think they're here to teach us that, like, the box is not what it's all about. Totally. Yes. You know, and yes. I think all of us are so fixated on being in the box. Yes. Fitting in and doing things the social norm ways. And obviously there's certain things that are necessary to like follow yeah. suit with. But if being in the box prohibits us from loving people or being more compassionate and more loving than like the box is not where we want to be and I think being true to ourselves and who we are and having a variety of people in our lives that are not all the same that's what makes our world such a beautiful place is not having everyone who fits this cookie cutter mold but I think that people like Dallin and Austin, who we're going to talk about in a few weeks, you know, those type of people, they help us to see that and to really focus on what matters most. And they kind of can almost peel back through some of the layers that we get caught up in that are not that important. Yes, I love everything that you said there. I totally agree. I just, it having him is a blessing in my life. And I really feel like it's teaching me so much about the right way to live and and find happiness. I have one last question for you, and that's if you could go back in time and give yourself advice at any stage of life, where would you go and what would you say? Okay, I would go back to the day Dallin was born, (laughs) and I would just say to the day Dallin was born, and I would just tell myself that this journey that you are about to go on is going to be so great. It is going to be so hard, but you want it to be hard because that's how you're going to learn and that's how you're going to grow. And it's going to be hard for your son too, but he's going to learn and he's going to grow and he's going to be just fine. You're going to be okay. And the faster you can learn to not care about what other people think about your decisions, the happier you're going to be and learn to just trust yourself, follow your intuition and, and you'll be okay. I love it. So beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was so fun chatting with you about all of this. Thanks so much, Liz. This is Liz Gardner. Thank you for listening to Letters to My Younger Self. I really appreciate all your support. If this episode helped you, please share it with a friend. Feel free to reach out if you have any recommendations for topics or people that you would like to hear in the next upcoming episodes. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week.